You're listening to Our Tunes. Music appreciation and digital media discourse. Welcome to Our Tunes. Uh, I'm Lewis. I'm Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to uh, expounding upon this new learned album that you had given me in our last uh, episode. I'm ki- I can't wait. I'm yep. so excited. Um, I've got a lot of things to say about that, and we will definitely get there. But, I mean, first off, I just want to know, besides this, what are you listening to? What am I listening to? Well, I got to say that uh, I do have a, a full-time job outside of making this podcast. No uh, way. <laughs> I actually, yep. And um, and I kind of have an interesting role as like DJ of my small little office space. It's been a little nerve-wracking, I'll be honest. Um, Got to keep the cuts fresh. That's what the people Yeah, want. well, I've also begun to realize that, like, during the pandemic, really, like, indulged myself in some very, like, melancholy music that mm. suddenly when I'm in a room with other people, it's like, oh, this is... This is not appropriate. <laughs> it's a vibe kill. You, you can't promise everyone's well, on the same page and, as you. And I think I catch myself, you mm-hmm. know, and I think probably, uh, you know, the coworkers are like, oh, interesting, because I'm like over here being like, oh, that's too sad. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, I would say that we've been enjoying some Simon and Garfunkel, Delightful. like some classics, even keel office music sort of stuff. I really do like the song America. That's a great song. Kathy, I said as we boarded a greyhound in Pittsburgh. Michigan seems like a dream to me now. It took me four days to hitchhike from Saginaw. I've come to look for America. I actually came to that song through uh, a cover oh. by the band Yes. Interesting. I, I would like to hear this cover. I definitely want to listen to it. It's like a 10-minute song. <laughs> I mean, that seems like the right way they would cover any I, song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, probably for years, I, I would have said that I like the Yes cover more. Wow. I listened to the Simon and Garfunkel song just yesterday. I was like, this one is good on its own. Do you think that music helps support people in their work, making you feel focused but also maybe relaxed or nostalgic at the same time i don't know how the coworkers feel for me i feel like i have my needs and i just hope that they will also appreciate having music on it serves as a noise machine that helps cover up other noises that would be more distracting throughout the workplace that is a function of music even if like that's just one thing that it's doing if it's doing that then it's valuable i don't want it to be distracting but if you wanted to take a pause and like notice 
it's nice. Yeah. Like, that's the goal. But sometimes it's distracting, and then that's when I know I've gone wrong. <laughs> you don't get feedback, though. You, like, self-censor. The people I work with are too nice. Ah, uh, so. okay. So, I mean, I self-censor, but I often wonder if it's, like, taken too long. <laughs> well, maybe one day you could, uh, you could just push the envelope. Just test the waters just a little bit. They each need a button that they could push. <laughs> could be like next track. Or or like I like this, I don't like this. Like a little rating system. Ooh. That's maybe a lot to, to put together if you're not committed to being office DJ. Yeah, yeah. It seems like but it's a good gig. The only time that I ever got anything close to negative feedback was uh, I was going through this country kick a couple of years ago. And I had never played any country in the office place and it went on for probably like two weeks where it was almost like all country before Somebody a very spoke up. kind co-worker turned around and was like can we maybe move on from the country <laughs> <laughs> well at least you know they were nice about it right they weren't like oh yeah. this guy yeah God. i think if i put my foot down we were gonna listen to country <laughs> forever <laughs> All I can say is that I care about my environment around me. Yeah. <laughs> and that includes uh, offending people. <laughs> I think that's wonderful. So, Lewis, what music have you been listening to? Well, my friend uh, Jeffrey was visiting me last weekend. We've always been, like, close music buddies. We went to high school together, shared a lot of music, mostly him showing me the most awesome things. And he showed me a band that I'd heard a a few songs from before called title fight and they're i would say probably more challenging for you uh they're they're pretty punk oh okay. um so their first few records are like really really raw skate punk fast ridiculous like every punk trope you can think of happening it's like overly distorted guitars crazy drum fills like breakneck speed drumming until in 2015 they put out their what would be their last album and it's like dream pop Every guitar has like tons of chorus on it. It's really beautiful. The pace of like the drumming is still very consistent. It's very mm -hmm. like steady, but it's not as like frenetic. Kind of sounds like cousin of a shoegaze album. And I was listening to it. Okay. And I've been really into it like all week. Uh, it's called Hyperview by Title Fight. You've said some things there at the end that I'm like, okay, I'm I think give I, this a listen. I think this could uh, this could make it to your sensibilities for sure. Thank you. I don't know if you should visit their uh, earlier albums. I'm not sure that you would enjoy it very much. <laughs> <laughs> the Title Fight song that I was really digging today is called Rose of Sharon. The whole album has this really great vibe. So segment idea is called Shuffle, where we press play on a random song in our iTunes library via Shuffle, and we see if we even know what we're listening to. <laughs> is there like a embarrass embarrassment veto that can be called? Um, No, because <laughs> guess what? The skeletons in your closet, they'll come back.
Oh my god. Um, I really love this track, actually. This is a song I know. We'll see after a few minutes if you can okay. guess, or seconds if you can guess who's, who's playing. The vocals are going to be a dead giveaway. I don't, yeah, sound familiar. I don't know this one. This is a track by Desaparecidos, which is a band fronted by Connor Oberst of Bright Eyes. I don't know if you ever listened to Bright Eyes. Okay. I haven't listened to very much Bright Eyes, but I like this a lot more because Bright Eyes was always a little overindulgent in the wrong ways for me. And this was just like rock and roll, post-hardcore kind of stuff with semi-political lyrics, but really good album. So... How would you define this genre of music? Post-hardcore is probably the best description. Mm. It's a weird title. It mostly refers to bands like Fugazi, who have like this certain style of rock with like abrasive vocals, usually very guitar-driven, like high-energy stuff. Yeah. We're both like analytical music people. Yeah. And I feel like you've analyzed segments of music that I like have not gotten into or researched or like experienced and so like i listen to these things and i'm just like this is something i've never listened to yeah that was a miracle of shuffle honestly (laughs) (laughs) sounds nice some reeds i shouldn't have looked i cheated i looked (laughs) beautiful it is do you know what kind of reed that is it sounds like clarinet yeah it's not like high enough to be an oboe yeah exactly yeah, yeah. some nice sense yeah like first i was thinking like you know is this like a opening to some sort of classical piece where yeah. it was just like a you know but maybe it's i mean it also sounds like it could be like a soundtrack yeah um I think you might be onto something there. <laughs> if I say the name of the artist, I think you might, you'll get it. Okay. So, Angelo Badalamenti. Sound familiar at all? No. no. Well, he is a friend and longtime collaborator with David Lynch. Oh. And he did the music for Twin Peaks, oh. as well as some other Lynch projects. Oh, okay. But yeah, this, I think, is just a, a buried track in, like... There's like a collection of Twin Peaks soundtrack items. The most recognizable one is like right the main theme that's got those like oh yeah uh, I mean I love guitars that. and synths. Are we allowed? To this put is that like on? a deep. Are we cut. allowed to put that on? Because I just I I love that. Oh, it's that amazing! Yeah, that's uh, this is just like a deep cut. Yeah, please, please, Rob. Um, yeah, that What's that theme? Audrey's prayer, parentheses, clarinet, and synth. <laughs> hey, I mean, that's a that's a very accurate description of what's going on. Well, should we go for the hat trick? Try try a third song. Okay, but I do want to hear the theme song. Too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. we can listen to that later. <laughs> Sorry.
very polyrhythmic. Oh, I think I know what this is. Ah, man. Cello is a dead giveaway. What do you think it is? I I have no idea. Strange face with your eyes So pale and sincere Underneath you know well You have nothing to fear For the dreams that came to you When you were young I think you know the books seriously wow i think this is uh this is not on one of their main like big releases this is like a rarities compilation i think okay i don't think i've heard songs by the books where the guy the lead singer sings so clear and upfront. it's usually a lot of sound bites yeah, or like he'll like, like sample whisper things. a couple things yeah. but it's not like he's doing a vocal line yeah i'm a big fan i love nick zamuto and his other projects like following that really good so he has like a band that's called zamuto which is his oh, last name yeah. okay. and he's like the front man of the band i think his brother plays in the band too they have two full-length albums that have some really awesome stuff going on i mean he's like a musical like genius yeah i want to say he's a sound designer for like google or something i definitely would say the books is like headphone music you know it's yeah. just so nice to listen to <laughs> There you go, Brad. In your happy place, the rainy Pacific Northwest, there has been a murder. I've I've listened to this song so many times, not watching the TV show. Yeah. That I've tried to like think like, what were they going for? And the main thing that comes to my mind is they wanted to make the most epic soap opera music ever. This is the sort of thing where I'm like. I'd like to play this at work sometimes. <laughs> and now for homework. I assigned Brad homework a couple weeks ago now. Um, he was assigned the 2010 album by women entitled Public Strain. This album was released August 23rd, 2010 on Jag Jaguar Records, Pretty a pretty big indie label. The guy who produced it uh, makes music very similar to this, kind of. Uh, Chad Van Galen, he's a Canadian producer and runs, runs his own studio. So I found out a few things about this album. It's very dense. It's very challenging, I think, at times. The music or the background? Both. <laughs> this album took 10 months to record. It was fraught with struggle. They would do all these takes and then throw away the takes and then re-record them on like terrible equipment, like on purpose. Kind of sounds like, uh, who was it, My Bloody Valentine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of that kind of, that brand of perfectionism. As a person listening to the finished product, I'm like, there's obviously a lot of intention here. I really like this album. I was not familiar with the album or the band, but I feel like it, it kind of isn't too surprising because this was their second and second studio album and last album together yeah. they must have had a rough go in the studios because it seems like they broke up pretty soon thereafter mm. 
makeup of the band seems like they got two guitarists a bass player a drummer one of the things that stood out for me for this album was that there was a great deal of like variety in the songs the first half of the album really had a lot of variety in the style of songs so like the album opens up with this kind of like droney very experimental song called can't you see into this next song heat distraction that sounds like very math rocky i listened to this song so many times trying to figure out what the heck is the time signature yeah (laughs) uh it was only it was only when i was like looking at the wikipedia page that i saw something that said it was in 138 it's like so needlessly i I think this is why maybe the band took (laughs) 10 months as they had to figure out how they were going to nail 138 The guitars for me stood out the most. Oh, yeah. Such a great guitar album. In all of the songs, the guitars were fantastic. Lots of melodic hooks. Some songs were very frenetic, rock-oriented. But at the same time, there were a couple songs where, like, the harmonizing or counterpoint between the bass and the two guitars was just really awesome. And I would say that really jumped out to me in the end of the song, Untogether. Valley has got to be my favorite song. Um, that's like, one, of that's well. one that I would love to hear on repeat. got kind of like a 60s garage rock sound so it's it's like a little less 
experimental sounding than some of their other tracks on the album. The vocals are also a little less reverbed and there there's some like vocal harmonies. Yeah. The vocals throughout the album, they're definitely pretty heavy on the reverb side. Kind of remind me a little bit of how Panda Bear or mm. Avi Tear reverb their sure. sort of voices. It feels like a cavernous like wall of sound just for the vocal take yes. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Also kind of lo-fi. The reverb made it sound like they were kind of far away, but the lo-fi-ness kind of like really cut out a lot of the high fidelity detail. It definitely makes it more textured and like weird. For me, it kind of adds to like how enigmatic this album is. You're like, well, I can understand what the vocalist is saying some of the time. And it's only because he's shrouded in the noise, right? Just drifting there in the mix, in the ether. I definitely like vocals in music, but I kind of hear it more as an element within the soundscape. Yeah. But without getting too involved with the lyrics, the way they've recorded the vocals on this album like really fits in with the music greatly. Yeah. Um, but I'll have to admit, I have no idea what the lyrical content is about. <laughs> That's okay. I think it's almost part of their shtick to have it be very secretive. I have a couple of these albums i don't think there's lyric inserts in there like i had to look up a couple just to like kind of get a sense of what they were i'd say the next top track that i would put on there is uh bells Mm. which is definitely more ambient experimental noisy but it's like a soft noise that really sounds both melancholy and beautiful say the second half of the album definitely felt more sort of in a similar vein that kind of like a group of pop songs towards the end yeah yeah and when i googled these guys they you know in interviews where they were sharing who their big inspirations were yeah i saw a mention of the velvet underground a Mm -hmm. few times that's not the first thing that i thought of when i listened to it yeah i thought really reminded me of thurston moore and sonic yeah yeah it's definitely very techie in that vein and like again dueling guitars yeah yeah i'm gonna give myself away here in the past i have not been super pro guitar i feel like lewis is gonna fall out of his chair i mean you know (laughs) i am probably guitar first because that's definitely the kind of music that i play and the kind of music i latch on to the quickest right so i'm not offended it's okay so at the same time there was a point where i was really not up on new music at all right about the time i was in college i was like so steeped in like 60s and 70s music which had guitar but it was not not used in this manner yeah and so sonic youth was actually one of the first bands that i was kind of exposed to by friends 
who were like still a contemporary band i did not like it at first um but i really kind of came around to it thurston moore's guitar is one of the things that did that this sort of melodic prog rocky you know i think Um, they they shrouded it in something else right they were like well we're gonna be prog but we're gonna keep it in other structures and confines of like rock music yeah none of these songs I, i don't think went over five minutes but they were definitely like very interesting compositionally from beginning to end. The recording process for this was very long, very arduous. I was reading about it and reading some interviews and stuff. And the band was like living together in a house where they would also play music in the basement. And this would happen for like hours at a time, like almost every day. So these guys were like so sunk in to writing this music to an extent that's kind of toxic right you need to do other things you can't just do that one thing and live with the people you do that thing with i feel like that borders on you're a cult <laughs> yeah that's um, exactly the word that was coming to mind yeah mind. recording techniques were also bizarre like chad van galen who's the, the producer that they had for this record and for their first record he's known for being like a lo-fi god apparently they recorded vocal takes for this outside i think almost every member of the band also sings i'll be honest it's so low lo-fi that i thought it was just one person on every track i mean you can tell like there's like vocal doubling i think on a lot of the yeah. tracks that's also harmonies so the band was made up of like two brothers pat and matt i think matt was the bass player pat is actually a non-binary person they started another project that i'll get to in a minute because i have like a family tree of this band from here is like kind of fascinating i think you you definitely picked up on the sensibility right that this is like a really complex guitar pop album they can thread together a a pop song like locust valley that has like these luscious harmonies and like a nice like i love that descending bass line that's like and then they can throw in a song like bells which is just kind of droning or even the introduction song like Mm -hmm. can't you see the first song the album is like a very simple song in its parts right there's like kind of lumbering bass line with nice full chords and then everything else is just complete noise like Mm -hmm. you're in a cavern of just grating sounds and like that's kind of a statement i think for the whole album in a way i absolutely love this album i got to see them when they were on tour they came through and played at johnny brenda's it was not really a full house moment which is surprising because i think they were definitely riding a wave of publicity and like good reviews like good critical acclaim for this album their playing was flawless you could tell these guys spend all their time together in like a a dank room because all they do is lock in with each other like they have perfect guitar cadences like all of those parts they happen without a bum note those dueling guitars just come together so beautifully uh i highly recommend checking out this video i think the user youtube user's name is uh zach camagna but he recorded their set that night that i saw them and they broke up three weeks after that after they had like a fight on stage like meltdown i'll throw a link on our social media because like you get to see just how like in their prime as a band they were even though there's a lot going on under the surface one thing i've grown to really appreciate about hearing guitars live is like things that you feel like you'll like feel it in your chest and body yeah especially when there's two guitars that can really be in sync with like harmonies on top and like some sort of driving like chords on the bottom like yeah it's, uh... i mean if i dragged you to this show <laughs> even though we weren't really close friends at the time i think you would have definitely been really into it 
every song is so distinctly different from like the one before it. The last track is probably my favorite one, mm. Eyesore. things about this album that yeah. struck me was like how they decided to order the songs. Yeah, the sequencing is, is weird. I feel like Can't You See It is an obvious first song, but maybe that's because that's how I've known it. There's something to be said for an album that just has like an ender. That's funny you say that yeah. because that song fades out. Yeah, it's, it does. I don't know that I feel like a lot of the other songs don't fade out. That just caught me by surprise. Like yeah. I, I really was like, why are they fading out this last song? Because I, I also like that song. So it was pretty clear to me that, you know, in sort of doing some online researching that this album kind of seems to have a cult classic kind of following. It seems like by the time a lot of people got to know it, the band had already broken up. Yeah. And so it sort of leads me to think like two things. One, would this band have gotten more famous? Like, is this a like style of music that is popular? The answer is no, right? Like, <laughs> would this song ever make it on to like radio play? Maybe like one or two of the songs could yeah. make it, but I feel like largely no. Funny story, one time I took the first Women album, which has a lot of the similar components to this, like nice pop song, harsh noise, like back-to-back -back tracks. I took it to a Bring Your Own Vinyl night at Prohibition okay. because they, they do that thing and they, you get a discount on your yeah. check and you get to listen to music. Well, they played this, the B-side of their self-titled record, which has the most noisy tracks. There's like one pop song in that and mm. then the other like five songs are just like harsh noise in a way that doesn't even make sense. It's so out there and I, I felt like bad that they were playing it because I was like, nobody really wants to sit around and listen <laughs> to like these insane like grating sounds. Following the lineage of this band, the drummer, who's amazing. Michael Mike, Wallace? Yeah, you're right, okay. Mike Wallace and Matt Flagel, who's the, the bass player. So they formed a band called Preoccupations, which is formerly called Viet Cong. I think they had like a reckoning about using that name. So they changed the name to Preoccupations. I would say their music definitely has a very similar sound palette, dueling guitar work, intricate like song structures, but they're still going strong. The breakup, I think, mostly sent one of the guitar players who is not really a main vocalist, uh, his name is Chris Reimer. He kind of went his own way. He also played with the Dodos, who were another like indie rock mm -hmm. band at that time. He also passed away in his sleep in 2012, unexpectedly. Really heartbreaking to hear that. His family put out a posthumous release of his music. It's called Hello People. Okay. I think it's a pretty cool release. That brings us to... Uh, Pat Flagel, they were the vocalist, the main vocalist, and the other guitar player. They now have a project called Cindy Lee, which is a confrontational pop 
project that's like self-described how it is. And I was listening to this album today that um, that Pat put out. It's got a lot of like, again, similar sensibilities. It's more like they leaned into the noise part and then there's some doo-wop in there a little bit. <laughs> and they right, also, I, they, I perform, to yeah. they perform this in drag as well. There's a lot of thematic stuff going on in this this album, this release. There's one song called Heavy Metal okay. that's on the most uh, recent release of Cindy Lee that's really good. And apparently it's also a tribute to Chris Reimer. You know, Whole Family Tree is uh, baffling to me. I just love like following like the path of, of everybody. I'm definitely someone who really loves popular music. The best I can do when I listen to an album like this is just like use my own ears, mm-hmm. draw comparisons to things I've heard before, feel out what I like and don't like. But then like I read a like a review of this album and I'm just like, are you just like me? <laughs> who who are you? Yeah. And like who are you speaking for? Who if like if I went to a concert, if I went to like uh, a, a concert that women were putting on, like who would be there and how did we all end up there? You sure. Know? That's I'd a have good to question. say my friend Lewis brought me. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to have to re-listen to this, write down all the bands that you've referenced. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd be interested in seeing it where any one of these artists would go just based on sort of what they've put together here. I'm glad it had something for you. I'm yeah. Glad. Is it time for... Dishing out Lewis's next uh, homework assignment. Uh, yeah. Is there any other? I'm right. a I'm a astute pupil. All right. So I've been at pains to figure out which way I want to go here. So make a gut decision. I know we we went Krautrock album from the '70s. Then we went to like a pop country folky album from the '60s. So I was like, I think we need to go '80s. It just feels like the right answer is. Blizzard of Oz by Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, yes, please. <laughs> okay. The only thing I will briefly say about this album is that it is Ozzy Osbourne's first solo album. Okay. And he teams up with Randy Rhodes, and I will be interested to hear your thoughts. <laughs> oh, man. This feels like a treat. I feel, <laughs> uh, I feel very lucky right now. <laughs> Great. Well, hope you like it. Thanks for listening. This was Our Tunes. Follow us on Instagram at Our Tunes Podcast. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Our Tunes Pod. This show is hosted by Brad Lenoud and Lewis Wilde, produced by Robert Hughes. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening, everyone. Do they advertise troll magic as like a, Ooh, you know, a perk of owning magic. the troll? Or? I don't know. Okay. <laughs>